This week on Media Delta, The Secret of Nim. Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Um, we have a odd one this week because uh, this is one of those that kind of technically breaks our rules for what exactly we kind of try to cover on this because normally what we try to do when we're doing these are take a look at things that are based off of video games, like you know TV shows based on video games or ones that have had video games based on it. However, what we're taking a look at today does not fit either of those criteria. Although if you think about it, um, this actually is semi-related to a particular video game. Uh, that one being, uh, if you think about it, um, taking a look at this would be a very good uh, thing when comparing to Dragon's Lair. Because what we're talking about today is the 1982 Don Bluth film, The Secret of Nim, uh, which was made like right around the same time that Dragon's Lair was because Dragon's Lair was released in 1983. Uh, so it would be right around that same time. Uh, and I believe that some of the same people involved with Secret of Nim also worked on Dragon's Lair. Uh, Don Bluth, especially. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I think also Gary Oldman, I believe, also worked on Dragon's Lair, although that naturally, I th yes, uh, Gary Oldman also worked on Dragon's Lair, which who also worked on this. Um, so yeah, uh, there is a, there is a tangential link to this movie. Um, this movie is kind of a cult classic. Uh, it is generally widely, very highly regarded among people who are into animated films. Um, it's, it's a real interesting movie because it's kind of its, um, lifespan or it's kind of its story as it kind of existed is kind of a weird one, but I'm sure we'll kind of go through that when we're talking about the film. Um, so I was not the only one who watched this. So please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Max and I'm here for violence in my animated kids films. I'm Coolio and I'm here to see a small mouse have a big adventure. Hi, I'm Torpid Typist, and I'm here for the National Institute of Mental Health. Yes. Uh, so to kind of give a brief description of what this movie is about, this is a movie about one Mrs. Frisbee. Or, or actually, it would be Mrs. Frisbee if you were taking a look at the original novel, which of this movie is based on, which was a it was 19, 1971 novel named Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, uh, which is... This movie takes liberty, a question mark, and by a, a lot of liberty from that novel because of the original novel is a lot more straightforward. Um, that this film kind of takes a lot of, well, namely the novel didn't have magic at all in it, which meant that a lot of things just kind of happened, that there's a lot of drama in this film. Um, and... It, I, I don't know whether or not that's a good or bad thing, but I'm sure we'll kind of discuss that. Um, the name of the protagonist in this one did get changed uh, because it was, was originally Mrs. Frisbee, but they changed it because they didn't want the Frisbee people getting mad at them. Uh, so her name is Mrs. Brisby in this one. Uh, and she is a field mouse who has a sick child. And she goes and talks to a wise older mouse who basically says, oh, your son has pneumonia and you can't, you got to make sure that he stays in bed. Uh, but then unfortunately, 
uh, spring happens and the farmer that of uh, the farm that they live on uh, starts to has to starts mowing the kind of plowing the fields, uh, which is going to destroy their home, which means they have to move, but they can't. Uh, so Mrs. Brisby is trying to find a way to, you know, relocate her son in a safe way and stuff happens. And that's pre- pretty much what this film is about. Um, uh, not really a whole, I think, I think it would be best to just kind of, rather than just kind of going over where the facts, we should probably just kind of get our impression of this out of the way. Uh, so Axe, what did you think about this movie? Well, I was struck by how, just how good it looks, but then it's, it's Don Bluth. I mean, you know, he's a Don Bluth production is going to look fucking good. You're getting good. You're getting good quality out of that. Um, but this was a really beautiful looking movie. Uh, every scene had a lot of character to it. The backgrounds had a lot of like character to it. The characters were animated and each had their own personality. So every scene kind of stands out. Nothing felt like it was filler or could have been taken out and or stretched too far. You know, the movie kind of it hits each pl- each plot beat in, in a in a decent pace, and it keeps you it keeps you interested in what's going on. Even long after you learned the secret of Nim, um, about midway through the film, if I remember correctly, I it, did watch it. Yeah, it's it's around it's around that point. Yeah, that was like but, two thirds around the, that point. The interesting thing about the secret of Nim is that Nim isn't as important to the plot as you'd think. Like it's really about Brisby and her trying to save her family, and then Nim is sort of this backdrop to which all of this is happening. And it sort of gives like an explanation as to why the mice and the rats are the way that they are. Uh, it also helps to explain why everybody knows her husband, her former husband, passed away, Jonathan Brisby. So there's a lot of, a lot of layers to the film and a lot to really, I, I think I have a lot to enjoy. Um, it, is, it is a little odd, uh, not odd, but it just kind of struck me when the there are scenes with violence in them, because this movie doesn't shy away from blood, it, it's 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 not gushing out of people, but it shows people getting cut and bleeding on, you know, it, it definitely it, gets violent. Yeah, it it, it is gets very, very violent at the end. Yeah, it is very much a reminder of the rating system was a completely different beast in nineteen in the early nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was rated G. Um, yeah, wow. which is uh interesting because it has it like checks all the marks that you'd imagine for a pg uh there is a light swear midway through which is kind of weirdly like it says it, damn like, yeah it, it, it's and the thing is also because th- that makes me think of the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie that also had the infamous Raphael says damn a lot uh but this one it feels really natural yeah, it's it's one it's one instance of damn, and 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 it's over with. But it's it it doesn't feel like it was forced in for any reason. Because sometimes you know when some movies will do that, they'll have a character curse and just feels out of place and like almost like they put it in to try to be a little more edgy than they normally would be. But I mean, it's it's just one instance of a character saying the word damn, so it's like uh, not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, but also to compound that, there is a lot of violence. There is blood. There is uh, <laughs> there is multiple instances of rats dying or the mice, uh, the mice or mice dying. 
Uh, there is instance. Um, there's the. Th this movie shows up a lot on uh, because it seems like everyone has uh, that one movie that they watched as a child that really traumatized them. Um, this one was mine uh, because uh, especially the instance of when they're talking about what Nim was and you get that lovely scene of the rats getting injected like right in their chest, which yeah. I did not appreciate as a child. <laughs> Repeatedly. Yeah. And then at uh, the end, you get the big fight scene, and then you get a rat who gets slashed across the chest, and then another rat who gets stabbed in the heart, and then a dagger thrown into his back. So it's like, it's it's not a kid-friendly film, despite it being almost like it's marketed towards kids, but it's really not. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really, like, this is a movie that is, like, um, I, I don't want to call it an adult film, but it's kind of a, it's a... It's a film that is meant, I guess, for families. Like, it's not just a, um, it's not just a kids' film. It is a, it is an, it is a movie that is animated. That is, I would say, like, it's a movie that I can see like children's watching with their like parents. But yeah, it is not not one that you should just pop on to like a five year old and have them watch it. Um, it this feels, is like it felt really, very much like Watership Down. Yeah, um, yeah, because this actually, I was kind of thinking about like this movie kind of exists in a weird, like, parallel because it is of that genre of animals, like being animals, um, that Watership Down also fits in. Uh, this one is definitely like it fits like a weird in between between say like. Trying to think of like, like say something like Bambi, and something like Watership Down, uh, but also you have elements of things like it. This came later, uh, but Redwall, also mm -hmm. uh, where you have like in Redwall is more medieval and weirdly like Christiany, but um, this is it's that weird intersect of like animals being like animals, but also you have some animal like uh, advanced kind of it's kind of it's not furry but it's like a step below if that makes sense um like it's not they're not they're somewhat anthropomorphized but they're shaped like animals and, and they still move very very much like animals yes um but also interesting was the inclusion of magic it's it's very light magic it's not very heavy on it until like the very very end but like Nicodemus does uh, little bits of magic trickery here and there to like pull a staff to him and um, show Brisby uh, the past. Yeah, which was which was and it's just an interesting little touch to it where like everything feels so grounded for uh, a movie about talking animals can be. Uh, and then you, underground. Yeah, and then <laughs> the the magic sort of happens, and it's, it's just a little. I think it's a little out of place. I felt. Especially at the end, I, where the the amulet helps her save her children. Yeah, I I do appreciate though that they don't try to explain it ever. Uh, yeah, and it works in its favor. Yeah, like the only yeah. description of how the amulet works is that uh, you get like the little voiceover from Nicodemus saying, uh, "Courage will bring about great things" or something. Yeah. Um. 
It's, there, isn't a, there isn't a whole lot of magic either. It's only like a couple instances and mostly centered around Nicodemus and the amulet. Yeah. Yes. What were you going to say, Coolio? It, it kind of feels a little bit like, oh, crap. We, like, we don't quite know how to realistically get out of this. Let's just toss in an ex machina. And, you know. So it's actually kind of funny um, because, like, as I mentioned, this is based on a book. Uh, that made some, and this movie made some changes. Um, magic was one of them because in the original, Nicodemus was just a mouse. Like Nicodemus is like doesn't um, like that whole subplot of Nicodemus and trying to kill him was not even in the original novel. Um, in fact, Jenner um, isn't even like is only mentioned in passing. Jenner does not even show up. Like. Um, like when they're talking about, oh, we need to like leave this area that so we don't live off the farmer anymore. Uh, Jenner is just in the novel just says, you know, what, screw that. And just takes a bunch of mice and just leaves uh, and actually kind of dies off screen um, because basically uh, they mentioned in the novel that there was a bunch of mice that were in an, a hardware store that got electrocuted. Uh, oh. And it is implied that it is Jenner's group that had that happen. Um, but the entire funny the thing is about the move in the original. Um, so that so the entire thing of the rats moving the the Brisbee home just goes without a hitch. Like they just move it. Um, like uh, Brisbee gets captured. That's but that's about it. They just like did screen. Uh, I I'd assume that I don't recall that Nicodemus actually dies in the novel. Um, but yeah, it, it's the magic is entirely a addition of this. And I'm I kind of wonder because basically the story of this film's development is that this uh, Don Bluth originally pitched this to Disney um, and they turned him down because this is way too dark for a Disney movie. Um, so I'm sure, um, done, I'm sure they've done that dark or darker. Well, so here's the thing is that they Don Bluth and Gary Oldman and uh, John Pertno, uh, was it John Pomeroy uh, leave Disney and basically make this movie. Uh, and I believe Disney. Uh, so. A short aside to this, this movie did not do good in theaters. Um, it like made like a hundred thousand dollars in its opening weekend um, out of its seven million dollar budget. Um, what was weird, and I believe this is like one of the first instances of this hap this phenomenon happening. Um, this was a huge success in rental stores. Um, the rental sales were so huge that it actually made double its budget, which actually kind of means that they broke even. Oh, yeah. If if you consider the budget was seven million. Double that for advertising. They broke even. Yeah. Oh, they definitely they broke even on this. Like rentals save this movie, essentially. Um, it's what it's why there were so many Don Bluth movies after that. Um, and also Dragon's Lair. And, and also Dragon's Lair. Um, and do we watch all dogs go to heaven? And, and yes, all dogs go to heaven. American's Tale. <laughs> Thumber is Thumber is Thumbelina. Was that Don Bluth? That's like around. There's also 
there's like Don Bluth knockoffs too, but I think that that's beside the point. Yeah, it was Don Bluth. Um, um, and yeah, so yeah, uh, I I bet you the magic thing was an element of just how they were used to making stuff for Disney. Like that feels like a very Disney thing to add. Yeah, yeah. But overall, I I like the movie. I I enjoyed it. Um. I don't know if I, I don't remember if I've seen the movie before or if this is my first time watching it. I can't recall, but you know, from what I saw, it was it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so that it? That it. All right. Uh cool. Yeah. Um yeah, I will echo that. This is a very good movie. Uh it is uh for for one thing, I'm just a fan of like just small creatures having big adventures and this is exactly what this is the the story of uh a mother mouse trying to uh save and preserve the life of her sick child effectively and being completely selfless in like every scene it's like the the only thing that that she can think of is uh to keep her her sick kid and her the rest of her family you know safe and happy it's like that this is the prime example of a selfless mother um and just the entire movie just you i i find that it uses almost all of its time there's maybe three to five minutes that you can cut out of this and most of it is dom deloise yeah that was so another not addition from the book because Jeremy does appear in the in the book, but he only really appears at the beginning. Uh, once you get Dom DeLuise involved for the role, you just let him go. You just let him do his thing. Dom DeLuise is yeah. a treasure. <laughs> what was a treasure? I should say. Yep, yep. Yes. For 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 that matter, um, I you, you kind of really get the sort of vibe that uh, you would get from Dragon's Lair because you know ju- just with the the intense action scenes and even the way that Nicodemus uh, pulls in his staff, it just kind of flashes in the same way that you would see something flash in Dragon's Lair. So this is basically Dragon's Lair, except about 99% less horny, and most of it, once again, is Dom DeLuise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, D- Dom DeLuise, the flavor of this uh, of this movie. <laughs> this Actually, I, I should point out, because there's one thing I do want to say about this movie. Um, the, the, um, the voice cast in this movie is really weird. Um, because there's a lot of really big names involved with it. Uh, that at, there's actually two in particular that are kind of funny because they are not credited in this movie because uh, this is their first role. Um, oh, yeah. You have there. So Brisby. Ha, so this is Brisby. The sick child's name is. Um, I don't Timothy. know why. I, yeah, Timothy. Uh, she also has two other kids named Martin and Teresa. Uh Teresa is voiced by Shannon Doherty and Martin is voiced by Will Wheaton. Uh, both of them, this being their first role. Uh, Shannon Doherty would go on to things like Beverly Hills 90210 and Will Wheaton's Will Wheaton. Um, <laughs> uh, you also have people like uh, John Carradine, 
who voices the owl, uh, Derek Jacoby, who does a really good uh, voice for uh, Nicodemus. Um, does I think uh, Edie McClurg is in this movie? I don't remember who the character was. I don't remember a Miss Wright. Um, but that was Edie McClurg. Um, you also have um, oh, let's see, Paul. Some of these names I kind uh, I I I almost said Paul Shear, but it's not Paul Shear. It's Paul Sinar. Um, who has done stuff. Uh, you have Peter Strauss is a name that I recognize, but I can't exactly put them in. Yeah. Um, I'm not really recognizing a whole lot of names. I, I, where, what else has Elizabeth Hartman? Been? So Elizabeth Hartman's an interesting case because she, um, she's been in a lot, uh, she's been in a few things, a lot of them kind of small. Uh, this was kind of her big role. Um, the last one, apparently. Yeah, unfortunately, a little bit after this, she uh, passed away. Um, which actually, there's a weird little bit of fan trivia about this. Um, due to in honor of Elizabeth Hartman's passing, uh, Mrs. Brisby is never given a name. Uh, she's yeah, always referred to as Mrs. Brisby. That uh, that is something that actually kind of annoys me. It's like everyone knows her as Mrs. Jonathan Brisby. It's like. <sighs> It it is probably a thing from this the novel being old, I guess. Yeah, like um, I, I can I can understand that, but please just give her a first name. So it's actually kind of funny because now in in respect of uh, Elizabeth Harbin, uh, usually they refer to Mrs. Brisby as Mrs. Elizabeth Brisby, yeah, which I always find it to be a fun little fan and thing. Uh, I don't think they ever. I don't ever think they did anything else with that because I don't think she shows like there are sequels to this, which are best not poked at. Um, but uh, I don't think she shows up. I think she only shows up in one of them because the rest are just kind of side stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, Elizabeth Hartman did a really good job too, though. Yes. Um, as weird as the casting kind of is it's still a very strong casting and everybody oh, yes. does their part really well yes um i i i'm not super aware of john carradine sadly but i know that he is the father of uh david carradine yes uh, he he did well the thing is also he a lot of his stuff is incredibly old uh we're talking 50s 60s era uh, so it's a lot of TV stuff. You got stuff like he appeared in um, appeared in uh, some an episode of Twilight Zone. He was in Cheyenne, The Rifleman, The Monsters. Yeah, he he is basically if if you need someone with a deep voice and imposing presence, you probably want John Carradine. He is the Tony J of that time. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I was going to say that. That's a good way to put it. Um. I was trying to remember which. So, this is just me going down thing because I'm a huge. I really like the Twilight Zone. I was trying to remember what episode it was because I thought Twilight it sounds good. Yeah, I, I, man, it, that is going to be like fifteen. That is going to be like six episodes of Media Delta. So I was just talking about Twilight Zone. Okay, but how did you <laughs> feel about the uh, the uh, reboot? I I have not seen any of the reboots. I've only seen the original. Um, but regardless, I uh, getting away from our point of discussion uh uh the yeah, howling man 
Yeah, I was trying to remember what the episode was, but um, the Howling yeah. Man. The um, the voice cast is really good in this. Yes. Um, everyone really does a good job. Um, the, the Dom DeLuise thing that is probably just an era of its time, but even then, he's not that bad. He's just but, it's just it's one of those relics. Yeah, I f- I find that he he does kind of disrupt the flow of the movie a little bit, and I it's like so some of his scenes are a little bit a little bit too drawn out. But uh, yeah, that is just a result of you know put Dom DeLuise in a role and just watch him go. Also, this movie is basically a an hour and a half long flex. Uh, Jeremy is really, really well animated, just like everything else in this movie. He's very expressive. Uh, so oh, yeah. I'd imagine getting Dom DeLuise to do that really kind of was a good voice. I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he was also kind of like acting with his arms and things and just kind of transfer some of that motion into the movie. Yes, I, I would almost guarantee that. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because basically, apparently, Corn like they got Dom DeLuise just because they watched a movie with him, and it's like, yeah, we kind of want him in this movie. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, but really, my my only two complaints oh. are the Jeremy scenes are a little drawn out, and it's always Mrs. Jonathan Brisby and not yeah. an actual first name. Everything else in this movie is pretty much stellar. So that's what I got to say. Yes. Also, I finally remembered what I recognized Derek Jacoby from. Oh, it was like Claudius because he was he was um, Claudius in that. Ah, which that's a weird thing, but that's another day. <laughs> um, so is that good with your thoughts? That is what I have to say for now. All right. Torpo is a pretty movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was well worth it. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. So it's a pretty enjoyable movie. I actually thought it was uh, really cute. Uh, that seeing the struggles of this single mom, which is not the most common thing actually uh, in media. Uh, is, hmm? Yeah, I was gonna say like one of the things I really like about this movie, uh, Mrs. Brisby is a really good character. Like yes. she for like uh, usually a lot of these things, like the main characters kind of usually has some sort of like. There's something about him that just always kind of feels annoying. Uh, Mrs. Brisby is just really good as a main character. Yeah. Uh, so once again, single mom, not exactly the most common thing in media as the main character. Yep. But yeah. Uh, it, she, yeah, so Mrs. Brisby is a fantastic character. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, and, and just in general, I, I quite enjoyed the cast of this movie. Uh they all help really uh, help Bris- like Mrs. Brisby grow as, as a person. Person. Help her grow as a person and develop through all this hardship. Because really it's about her more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, there is a reason why the novel that this is based on is referred to as Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, which I kind of yeah. feel is a better name for this than just The Secret of Nim. Uh, but I feel like the secret of Nim has a really good. It rolls off the tongue really well. Uh, but Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim actually tells you what this movie, this uh, the thing is about. Also, like 
going by the title The Secret of Nim, like there's it's not really played up that way in the movie. It's not treated like some mystery that they need to solve. It's just like it's a plot dump. Here is the history of our people. Yeah. yeah. The the secret the secret is about the rats of Nim. Like the rats of Nim, not Nim itself. Yeah. The National Institute of Mental Health is very secret. Yeah. Or at least what they were doing there. Um so yeah. Also uh, when I, when I was watching this originally, I I had this thought that maybe Nim also had a double meaning, uh considering like nickel metal hydride. In other words, what batteries are made of. And that's how they're going to get off of their dependence of uh, the farmer's electricity. Yeah, not not quite. That is one hell of a reach. I mean, yeah, that, that can be a bit of a reach, but that's what I was thinking originally. Like, it could have had a double meaning, totally. I mean, it's not, it's not like they were 100% on the original... Um, the original story of the book, right? Yeah, I mean, no? Nim was in the book. Yes, uh, Nim as in the National Institute of Mental Health, but not nickel metal hydride. Could be, possibly. But, uh, um... Anyway, that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, so, yeah, going back, uh, this movie is actually, like, absolutely fucking incredibly gorgeous. And boy, howdy, a lot went into that, apparently. Like, the what was it, 600 different colors? Yeah, the palette in this movie is ink. So all these special effects in this movie are entirely done through use of color. It's not like any, at least according if Wikipedia is to be believed, which I, I feel like about these things, usually people get these right. Um, all the special effects in this movie um, basically... Uh, is using light shining through color. So like various, uh, like, I would have met, like, I, I, I don't know animation, but it's basically just shining light on like color, like use of color paint or strips or something like that to produce all the special effects. None of this is computer animated. It is all entirely done by hand. Um, and there is something about the fact that um, there are, I think it was around, I got to I got to figure out the exact number. Um, but there's something like, um, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, there's something like Mrs. Brisby is shown in like 49 different lighting situations, all of which they have their own palette. 40, 46. Um, therefore there are 46 different color palettes, uh, that were used for her which is a lot uh, for something that is hand animated. Yeah. Uh, it also like, so because of that, the movie is absolutely incredible at using color to set a mood uh, and a feeling. Uh, Cause like every scene has its own sort of colors and sort of dynamic lighting and all that. And it actually looks really fantastic in motion, but also does a lot to set a scene, which I feel once again, just further helps things along. Cause it is, Every every scene has its own color, its own lighting, all that, and it really, really helps with the mood. Yeah, so, yeah. There's a lot of dark colors to this, um, but they all look really good. Hmm. Um. So, yep. Uh. Anything else? 
No, I think that's largely how I feel about it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. Um, also, it's very important. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that anyone wanted to bring up about this? Um, I I felt that uh, the characters uh, meshed really well, uh, mm. especially uh, Miss Brisby and Jeremy were actually really a really good combination. They start off kind of awkward and they're not quite sure about each other, but as the movie progresses, Brisby, you know, trusts Jeremy a lot more and Jeremy screws up a little less throughout and becomes a lot more trustworthy. So that dynamic keeps playing off each other all throughout the film. Uh, and anytime he's on screen, it's, it's Dom DeLuise just eating up, you know, the screen time, but, Dear um, Lord, I say, holy shit! It's so good too. It's just so good to to hear his voice and you know watch the character he voiced. And then, um, then you've got sort of like the more intimidating ones, like uh, when Brisby faces the owl, and we talk about color palettes. Like that whole scene was lots of like really dark blues and greens, um, because it was inside a inside a tree. But the dynamic between Brisby and the Owl was interesting because it's a very antagonistic um, uh, relationship until he re- he finds out that she's the wife of Jonathan Brisby and then he acquiesces to to give her some advice. It's just interesting. It's interesting to see all the different relationships in the movie and just how well each one works against one another. And how they all sort of kind of come back to Brisby. Like, she's the focal point of everything in the movie. It's also interesting how it paints her husband, because he's not a character that shows up in the movie. Spoilers. Yeah. Shows up for about a minute and a half. Yeah, he shows up in a flashback, and that's about it. And so everything you learn about him is actually through what other people say about him, so it's actually kind of interesting in that regard, too. Yeah. yeah. Also, I, I like... And it's it's actually a really good perform. Going back to the fact that Elizabeth Hartman did a really good job of Mrs. Brisby, um, that when she made, she meets Nicodemus and she, Nicodemus is trying to explain who he is to her, uh, he shows her his diary as well. His, his I don't know like what it's supposed to be. Basically, the the story of like what they are, uh, and you see her Mrs. Brisby reading the journal and I always find it funny or I, I found it funny uh, that of course, like, Oh, you just met the widow of this person you knew and you were like well recorded with uh, go ahead and show her the page in which her husband dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was a really good um, because the thing was, is that Mrs. Brisby is not part of these super advanced rats. So she, basically, Jonathan taught her to read somewhat. So you see her kind of struggling to read this thing. And then you kind of see the look on her express, like her face when she realized what she is reading, mm. which had a lot of good expression to it. Yeah, the movie is the movie had real it did real well with character expressions. Um, and also, like, it was interesting, the uh, the Nicodemus scene. Because, like, 
Brisby's had different relationships throughout the movie. You know, she's got her relationships with her, with her kids, where she's, you know, the mother, and she needs to be look, taking care of them. That she has that sort of, you know, oddball friendship with Jeremy. And then um, the owl with the, the more antagonistic sort of relationship. And then with, with Nicodemus, it's a completely different kind of dynamic between the two of them. Nicodemus is this, is this old figure, and Brisby's in awe of this character. She's not fearful of him she's in awe of him just because of, of everything that everybody said to her like how they they talked to him in in revered hushed tones you know and so when she finally meets him he sort of lives up to that mythical figure that these people have built up in her head yeah and so it's also nice for for her during that scene because she didn't know how jonathan died so helps to give her closure too mm-hmm. yeah um yeah just that was just a really good scene um also I, one thing i did want to point out uh speaking of characters a uh, jenner uh just a just a villain ass villain uh that was done really well uh, it's actually kind of funny because the voice actor for jenner uh which i just got the page so i can't remember what it was off the top of my head uh, yes uh, so when he first recorded his, uh, I believe it is when he recorded some of his lines and then was was like, like, he's doing some of his lines and I was like, oh, let me actually see the character that I'm working on. Uh, and then he saw a picture of of Jenner and then he saw, was like, okay, we're going to re-record some of these lines. I clearly was not villainous enough. <laughs> yeah, because Jenner, Jenner is like the chief antagonist of the movie. Yeah, like this, like evil cape-looking dude, just almost like Vincent Price-looking guy. Yeah, a little bit over the top, just ever so (laughs) slightly. Like his Uh entire his entire shtick is just to play for power. He wants to take control over the group uh, and stay within the uh, the thorn bush, whereas Nicodemus is trying to lead them to safer safer. places um yeah also you know i'm gonna i'll mention that later uh but yeah um yeah yeah i lost my train of thought (laughs) um i could what were you saying nice (laughs) I, i i i'm sorry so Okay, the thing I saw that in hindsight, now I actually kind of want to do it because this movie got a sequel. Uh, because right. and it looks like it sucks. Uh, it's real. So, Secret of Them Two: Timmy to the Rescue is about her children, specifically Timmy, who is the one who was sick. Uh, because apparently there's an ancient prophecy that Timmy is the one that'll do it for some reason. Um, it's a musical. Gross. Oh. Um, but also the thing that struck me that I kind of want to watch it. Um, so Elizabeth Harmon passed between the, this movie and the sequel. Um, Debbie Mae West voices Missy, Mrs. Brisby. And I was wondering why that name sounded familiar. And then I remembered who Debbie Mae vo- West voiced. Oh, uh, that's Meryl from Metal Gear Solid. Hell yeah. I kind of want to see that. <laughs> Just to see if she makes does the general voice because that'd be really cool. Well, you know, technically it's it's now eligible since we've seen the first one. 
actually don't. I will watch the clip in which he's in, and that's about it. (laughs) I remember getting the or actually getting that movie as a kid and hating it then. And thinking this this is garbage. I'm I'm not watching this anymore, which is saying something because I watched a lot of garbage as a child. I watch a lot of garbage now. Yeah. This this is it's like it's Disney straight to video quality. Like not the good ones either. Oh no. Um but yes, that that's what threw me off. I try not to watch bad stuff on purpose. We just kind of roll into it. <laughs> I mean, we're doing media delta, so we're we're gonna get a good amount of garbage. I just I that's the only place I really want to experience that garbage because my time is precious. I want to spend it being happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty pretty much the entire reason that I signed up for the Pac-Man episode because I knew it was going to be terrible. Um we have other things to look at, so we will not probably not watch that for a long long time. Um or maybe I'll make it a charity thing, who knows. Um Anyway, um, did anyone else have anything they wanted to uh, talk about? Um, the music. Um, music was interesting. It was an interesting choice of, of songs. Um, the the um, I don't know the name of the song that plays when uh, Mrs. Brisby is just tending to her kids, but it's just it's weird because it's it's a it's a sung song. It's not just an I, instrumental. Yes. I. Yes. Yeah. It it just fe- it just felt weird. I don't know why. I guess I just felt like it it felt more like an instrumental scene. It didn't need the lyrics. Yeah. It, yeah. It it really had that vibes of, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory of that song that Charlie's mom sings that I always skipped over when I watched it as a kid. Mm-hmm. It has that energy to it. It does. Like it's not bad, but it's yeah. like as a as a child, this that is not what interests me. Yeah, what and I'm not saying that hmm? the drunk in the metal. Like the the soundtrack's good, but it's it's not great. It doesn't yep. super stand out, but and, you know it's it's just just like the movie. It's it's got interesting choices. Yeah, and, and the the music is is definitely good as well. I mean, it's composed by Jerry Goldsmith. So, yeah, who has done a lot of stuff. Yeah, you see that name and you generally the music's not going to disappoint. Also, apparently, I think that was like that was a problem for him uh, was the fact that he was only given like stills of uncompleted scenes. Mm -hmm. So he didn't get a chance to look at the movie as he was doing the music. So he only got like screens of it. So he didn't have like. A real good thing to work with. And I think it shows. Yeah. Um, anything else? I can't think of anything. I'm good. I like yeah. this movie. Yeah. Actually, actually, we did skip uh, one thing. Uh, I particularly, I, I really love this movie. Um, I actually, so I own this movie like, I think three or four times. Um, I got it originally on DVD. I got it. Another kind of a problem with this movie, although I don't know exactly the digital ones. 
Uh, there's a Blu-ray cut of this movie that's unfortunately it's like the DVD rip, but slightly upscaled. And it's not a great remastering, but still a really good version of the movie. Um, I know that's a problem. Uh, I also this is also one of the two movies I own on Laserdisc that oh, I wow. intentionally went to uh, get this on Laserdisc when I thought I had a working Laserdisc player, but it did not in fact work. So I have. I have the movies that I got with it and also this movie and heat. So yeah, uh, I really love this movie. It's a, it's just really good. Um, but yeah, uh, last words or we move on the rank. I like this movie. My last word is potato. It has nothing to do with anything. All right. I think that's a sign to probably go ahead and rank. So, uh, we're going to rank this using our normal 1 to 21 scale, with 1 being absolute mastercraft, and 21 being absolute garbage, don't even bother watching. So, Axe, what were you thinking of putting this at? Um, I don't think it quite makes the cut. I'm going to say 2. All right. Uh, cool, yeah. Um... Yeah, two two seems like a good place. I'd say a hard floor of three, but not any lower than three, absolutely. And two is a good place. All right, Torpo. Yeah, I was going to say about three, but like two is fine by me, too. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to fight it. I don't have the energy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I had, for me, uh, one to two. Uh, this is just a really well-done movie, uh, which I feel like since it's literally in all of our things, Probably makes it a two. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not quite perfect, but it's, yeah. So it's worth watching. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Yeah. So just to for the people who are listening at home, uh, that puts it in league with Aliens, Commando, Pat Labor, the early days, Pat Labor, the movie, RoboCop, The Slayers, and Vampire Hunter D: Bloodlust. Uh, just for sake of just going through the motions. Uh, at three, we had Dirty Pair, Project Eden, Ghost in the Shell, and the Rotel Dorado. I absolutely feel that those are, I feel like Secret of Nim is a higher quality movie than those three. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, in that one, we got stuff like Die Hard, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Redline, and the Adam Sam with an asterisk. Um, I, 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 feel, I feel two is a good spot for this. Yeah, two is a nice, comfortable spot for this. Yeah, there, uh, there's a couple of nitpicky stuff I have with the movie that I just feel put keeps it from being one. Yeah. Um, also, it's great because I'm starting to think like we do. I do have a kids genre, but I don't know if I want. I mean, I don't know if I want to put this as a kids movie. I, I hesitate to call this a kids movie. I I don't say like fantasy, maybe. It's it's very much an adult animated film. I are, it's I probably marketed towards kids, but I would say it's it's just a general sort of thing. I would I say it, you could probably file it as fantasy, just considering the magic. Yeah, like, it's not a whole lot of it, but we can't, like you say, you can't really put it as kids. And if you're trying to find another place to slot it into, fantasy is probably as close as you're gonna get. Yep. Also, tone is definitely furry. Uh, anyway, um, one hundred percent. I have heard cases of this being awakening movie for some people. Yeah, it sounds about right. Um, Fucking either this or the, the Robin Hood movie. Yeah, 
Both I feel like the Robin Hood, Hood movie had a lot more awakenings. The Robin, oh, yeah. the Robin Hood movie was definitely also, oddly enough, both those being Don Bluth movies. Um, the, yes, Robin Hood was definitely more sub, a more blatant one. Uh, this one is less blatant, but definitely had its its people. Um, I I kind I don't I can't believe people like mice with fat asses. <laughs> um. Uh, I don't. Should I put something for content? Um, uh, I'd say a, a soft G. Yeah, it's like it's violent. In like, it's not gory, but it's notable. It's violent for what it is. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, is there I, any... I was today years old when I found out that Robin Hood is the Don Blue thing, and also Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, probably an animated version of it. Yeah, like I'm, I'm aware of those. It's just, uh, it's weird to think that Don Bluth had anything to do with those shows. They're terrible. <laughs> For Anna Barbera crap. Um, hmm. uh, is there anything we want to call out in music, charm, cinematography, storytelling, action, and art? Um, art and cinematography. Yeah, uh, definitely cinematography. I do. Uh, God, let's let's just so. Thumbs up I'm going to give to the cinematography. Um, also, the action's really good. Uh, so I think for art, uh, this might actually be one of the ones we put the medal for, because this one, the art is really good in this movie. Like, I, I feel like this is like one of the best looking hand animated movies, like of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's mm-hmm. totally do it. Uh, <laughs> like, up until we get to, like, we're not going to have like anything as a comparison point, I think, until we watch Castle Cagliostro. Um, That one, I think, puts a, a run for its money, but that's not going to be until we get to that. Um, the music was OK. Charm. I, I don't know if I want to put a thumbs up for the charm. It's a it's. I don't know if it's a charm is the yeah, right I, thing to put. I, for I, I would not put charm. Yeah, personally. And it's. Yeah. It's a it's a really good movie, but there there's not there's not the one thing that really you know grabs your attention that is especially memorable. Like the only thing that tries to grab your attention is uh, is Don Delos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Which speaking of that, one thing I did want to put out for story, uh, great characters. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, if not the actual characters themselves, the characterization in this movie is spot on. Like just in terms of like expression and just like interactions is just really good. And the voice acting sells all of it. Yeah. And I also well, also would sum up storytelling. I think this movie tells a really good story and doesn't it does it in a very good way. Um well hold on, I need to do it like this then. There we go. There. Because I'll put the great characters in yay. Um which, speaking of which, for yay and nay, uh, there is one that I absolutely feel belongs in there, and that is made with abundant love. Because, uh, yeah. boy, howdy, did they put their heart into this movie. I can agree with that, yeah. Um, I feel like we're going to do that with all of Don Blue's films, because I mean, there, like... There are some of them I feel were slightly phoned in, like once, if we ever do, like, say, Rock-A-Doodle, 
Oh God, Rockadoodle was Don Bluth. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Anastasia, I feel, was towards the end of that really weird era of Don Bluth. Um, I don't know. I thought Anastasia was really good, if not a, an oddly gory film. I have not seen it in a long while. Yeah, same. But like, also, I, I don't remember anything about it except that I remember thinking. Man, now I just realized what I should have put for. Uh, so at the point of recording, uh, I put up for the new retro ink relief for the charity stuff. I put Titan AE at 50. I just realized I should have done Fern Gully. Yes, Fern Maybe. Gully. Yes. I wonder. Well, technically, no one has no one has done has the donated yet. So technically, I can still change that. I might change that, oh, actually. Fucking God. <laughs> uh, I yes. Um. For nays, I can't really think of any nays. Yeah, I've, it, I've been looking through the list. Of... It, it's like the perfect length. Uh, it's things happen throughout it. Like, there's no real problematic things. And that weird quirk with like referring to it as Mr. John from Risby, that's just a, that's not like in the in the scheme of like things, that's a very minor transgression. Yeah. Um, I mean, my only criticism is that the soundtrack was a little lacking, and that's about it. Yeah, and even that, I feel, is more of a, like, that's, like, it's not a bad soundtrack by any means, so I wouldn't even, I feel like that's, that's in that wiggle room of taste, I feel. Jerry Goldsmith doing what he can, and. He's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like we can, we can just leave it with no nays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a really good movie. Um, yeah. You should watch it if you have a chance. Um, yeah, had a, a especially ha- have a reason to watch it again. Although I would totally just watch it without a reason. Just I feel like watching the secret in him. That's yep. The reason. Just don't watch the sequels. Yeah, just don't. don't. Yes, absolutely. yes. Does just the the original. Um. Maybe maybe someday I'll check out the sequel and be gravely disappointed. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yes, that was the secret in M. A really good movie. Uh, so before we head out, uh, Axe, is there anything you want to plug? Yes. Uh, at the time of this recording, um, it is Autism Acceptance Month, and as always, please uh, support the Autistic Self Advocacy Network. Don't support Autism Speaks. It's a hate group. Uh, autism, uh, the Autistic Self Advocacy Network is an organization by people with autism for people with autism, and provides valuable tools for people who have autism looking to uh, get a better handle on certain things and lead a more stable and interesting life. All right, uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the show that I do, uh, Square Wave Symphony, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky which is available at lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim and also at squaresim on Twitter. All right, uh, Torpo. Uh, Twitch.tv slash torpotypist and at torpotypist uh, on Twitter. And I would like to plug the gaping hole in my sleep schedule. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so next episode is going to be Completely different from this one. Uh, we are taking a look at this is something that is actually video game related. Um, we are taking a look at Game Pro TV. 
uh, a TV God. a TV yeah. program uh, that was made to coincide with GamePro magazine. Um, and yeah. Has, has about as much relation to, to video games as Nick Arcade, I think. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> Imagine that, but more cringe. I can't wait for all the 90s ash. I, I, I hope you really love green screen, because you're <laughs> a oh boy. douche. Gonna cringe my ass into the past. Yes. Okay, but it, I, I don't like green screen where it looks like they're actually there. I want, like, oh. smudging around the sides. Oh, you're gonna like this then. Or yeah, this is this is some choice green screen, and I'll just leave it at that. Perfect. Anyway, uh, that is going to do it for this episode. Uh, so thank you all for listening. If you would like to look at the full list of rankings for yourself, please visit r3.ldp.life and go to the Media Delta List tab. If you would like to watch Media Delta's sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can either watch at youtube.ldp.life or by tuning into twitch.tv slash lodapuzzlo at 7.30pm on Fridays, 2.30pm on Saturdays, and 1pm on Sundays. All those times are from the Eastern U.S. time zone. If you would like to discuss this episode with the community, you can do so by joining our Discord server, which you can do so by go going to discord.ldp.life. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you tune in for our next episode.